Genesis chapter 2. I don't have a little kid running around up here, but uh, there's been a snafu here. Genesis chapter 2. The title of the message is Free Will. In a minute, I guess it'll come up on there. But, you know, when when you think about free will, when people would sit down and believers would talk about free will, amen, uh, the conversation would probably turn to the fact of uh, Calvinism and um, how you're saved or you're not saved or how you get saved. But the Calvinists would say that all those whom God chooses then will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, that's Calvin's teaching. That's not the Bible's teaching. Not one bit. The Bible believer believes what God says, that man must choose to believe or not. So, in Revelation, you stay where you're at. In Revelation 22:17, it says, "In the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, uh, let him take the water of life freely. That's free will. Uh, freely take of the of that water of life. Amen? It's up to you. It's a choice. But I'm not preaching on that. Although I'm preaching on what free will is, it's a choice. How many times have you been at a place in your life where you have to make a decision about what to do? So, what is free will? It's just the ability of directing our lives, directing our choices, our own actions. It's the freedom to choose our will or another's. You could choose to, to go someone else's way that, that says you need to go this way or, or God's will. He says go this way. But it's up to you to make that choice. Or maybe you have your own way you want to go. But it's your ability to direct your own actions. Do we have free will? Well, if free will means that God gave man the ability to make those choices that genuinely affect our destiny, then yes, we have free will. Amen? We have free will. We make choices. And your choices are up to you. You make your decisions. You make the choices that, that uh, direct your future in a sense. There are limitations to free will, both physical and spiritual. But first, let me just ask you, why did God give man a free will? And I believe it's because He wanted a relationship with man. He wanted a two-way relationship. He wanted man to love him as much as he as he loved man. And what happened? Man fell. Man fell. And Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Man fell. So the rest of the Bible, your entire Bible, is about God providing redemption a way back for man. It's for man, though, to choose to believe in Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Now, why? Why did God do that? Why? Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So man could choose to love God again, to love Him with his whole heart, God's the one that removed the barrier of sin. 
So God's commands allow the free will of man to obey Him and to love God again. Look, every time you make a decision to obey God, you're showing Him how much you love Him. When God says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that's a command of God. Now it's up to us to decide whether we're going to obey Him, and when we do, it's showing that we trust Him and that we love Him. God also says abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul. That means live a life that is holy and honorable unto Him. And when we love Him and obey Him, God is pleased with that. But it's our choice. God doesn't force us to live holy, nor to go and tell anyone else about Jesus Christ. He doesn't force us, but it does show how much we love Him when we do. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, in Genesis chapter 2, Oh, let me just tell you the message. The message is that every choice that we make reveals our love for God. Who we love most. Do we love God or do we love ourselves? When I was thinking about this, why does, what does God want most from me? And I found out it was my love. He wants me to love Him. What's the first and greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. If that's what God wants, then that's what I want to do. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that means trusting Him. So the whole message of free will really is about me choosing to obey God and show Him how much I love Him. Look, a husband will never love his wife as he should until he loves God most and first. Then he'll know how to love his wife the way he should. Parents will never love their children the way they should until they love God most and first. And then they'll love their children the way they should. God wants us to love Him. And that's really the message. Now, in Genesis chapter 2 and in verse 16, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden, Thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. So God created man with a free will. The forbidden tree was there for man to make a choice. God didn't create robots. He gave us the ability to choose. Who would we love? Who would we obey? Who will we trust? God or ourselves? And the consequences are made very clear. The choice is there. Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But God says, but let me just tell you, the tree that's in the midst of the garden, don't eat of it. Because the day thou eat of it, thou shalt surely die. You have a decision to make. But He didn't keep him from eating of it. He told him the consequences of eating it. And He gave him a free will to choose. So when we choose to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and obey Him and trust Him, we're we're in a good place. We're following the one that we should follow and not ourselves. Free will doesn't mean anything we want to do, we can do. You just can't do anything that you want. You're limited by choices. Free will is ours or God's. Now physically, our choices are limited limited to our nature. I mean, if I want to cross over the little bridge, I can walk over the little bridge, or I could choose not to walk over the little bridge. 
but I can't fly over the little bridge. I'm limited by my physical nature. I can't fly. Maybe some of you can. I don't know, but I can't. So I have to choose either to walk over the bridge, drive over the bridge, or I don't want to go over the bridge. But I'm limited by my physical nature. Now spiritually, a man cannot choose to make himself righteous either. So if you're here this morning and you think by all the good works and all the things that you're trying to do to get yourself on good footing with God, you're in a bad place. Because that's not the Bible. Man cannot make himself righteous. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So my sin nature prevents me from canceling my own guilt and my own consequences. Only God can do that. So free will is limited by my nature, my sin nature. You know, limited options can be a good thing. It can kind of narrow down the choices for us. Amen? I mean, if you've ever been in the cereal aisle, you know that there's just too many choices. It's hard to find out which one I want. I want the shreddies, the frosted shreddies, uh, the big shreddies, the little shreddies. And then you get to the coffee aisle, I know I want Java 5. But I have to find it amongst all the other stuff out there. And then now there's tea that's for your stomach, and there's tea for your eyes. There's tea to get you up in the morning. There's tea to put you to sleep. I know because Kathy says, do you want tea for your stomach, or would you like tea to, to, to go to bed? I don't drink tea. This is when, for, when people come, and I'm like, just give me the coffee. Java 5, you know, the strongest you got. It does help us when the, when the limitations to our choices that maybe we won't choose the wrong things and we won't choose the wrong ways. You know what Henry Ford said about buying a car, the Model T? He said, the customer can have any color they want as long as it's black. (laughs) All right? So come on in. What color do you want? Black? We got it. There it is. But, by the way, he did have green and all those other colors. But those Model Ts rolled off the line. They were black, man. If you wanted a green one, you were going to get a black one. That's just the way it was. So, this limitation on us still leaves us accountable, though, to God. And it leaves us responsible for our lives, for our actions, for our free will, for our choices. We make the choice. God gave man the ability to choose. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof are ways of death. It may look good, it may look right, But they're the ways of death. There is only one way to eternal life. It's through Jesus Christ. It's not through the works of the flesh. There's nothing that you can do. You can't earn favor from God. He's already loves you. And He sent His Son to die on the cross. So if you want to know how much God loves you, go to the cross. Go to to John 3.16 and verse 17 and find out how much God loves you. So He gave us the ability to choose. I know that because when I look out at the world today, I see what what the decision of Adam and Eve have cost us. One decision. Man walked eyes wide open and sinned against God and rebelled against God and made his choice. And now here we are. Now look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Well, verse 4 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely, ye shall not surely die. It's the greatest lie ever told. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I guess Adam had to decide whether God was holding something back that was better than what he had. 
And by the way, can I tell you this? Don't have discussions with the devil. There is no reason for you to have a conversation with the devil. You quote scripture back to him. Don't you talk to him. He's smarter than you. He's been around a whole lot longer. He knows the Bible better than you do. You quote back to him scripture. And you call on the Lord to take care of that and rebuke the devil. And you do it by faith. Don't stand there and have discussions with the devil. You know when something comes into your mind that doesn't line up with Scripture, casting down all imaginations and those thoughts that come into our mind. Don't have a talk with the devil. Now, free will. Free will. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We have free will to love God. In Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15, God says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 16. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear but shalt be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce you this day that ye shall surely perish and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and thy seed may live free will that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey His voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto Him. For He is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto the fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to give Him. What does God want? He wants us to choose life. He wants us to choose blessing. He wants us to choose to love Him through our obedience to Him. I don't know about you, but I find when I read my Bible, God wants my attention. God wants my my attention and my obedience. He wants my love. He wants my affection. That's why He gave me free will to choose. Not a robot. He wants me to choose Him. He wants me to desire Him. God wants my attention. I wonder how much attention God's gotten this week from me. And how the busyness of life can keep us from just a quiet time with God. Turn over to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. We have free will to love God and obey God. We also have free will to serve God. Joshua 24, 14. We're getting ready to go in the land. Now they're in the land and Joshua's getting ready to go off the scene here and he says in chapter 24, verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord. And serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I'm sure they meant well. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up out of, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt 
from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Joshua was heard enough in verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, He hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. You know what Joshua said to them? He said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen, ye have chosen you the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart. I'd ask you, are you willing to serve God? Do you want to serve God? For if you do, you're going to have to put away the gods in your life that are keeping you from serving God. You have the the free will. You have the choice. God never moves. God is always the same. And He never moves. But there's plenty of things I could get gathered up here and some of you have to get some old friends out of your life and acquaintances. And some of you have to just get some of the things out of your life that are causing you to, to worship them instead of God. And you're not serving God because you're serving yourself. And you're serving the things in your house like a PlayStation 4. That should be thrown off the highest building in Ireland as far as I'm concerned. People spend more time on these games than they do serving God and reading their Bible and praying. Or they spend time with bad friends. Or they spend time just doing whatever they want. But they're not serving God. God doesn't move. If you feel like you're far away from God, it's because you've moved. And you need to get some of these things out of your way. And you know, if you really think about it, you look, how far away am I from God? Maybe it's a girlfriend that's in the way. I know you love her. But does she love God? And do you love God? And what kind of choices are you making? I hope some of this hits home. I don't know your heart, but what's keeping you from serving God? Because God has not moved. He's still there. And He's waiting for you to serve Him. To make the choice to serve Him. So there's a lot of different things that can come between us and the Lord. Turn over to James chapter 1. You have free will to love God and obey God. You have a free will to serve God. Well, you also have a free will to be held accountable to God. Look, if you weren't making the choices, what's God going to say to you? I did wrong. God doesn't make any mistakes. God is able to say, you're guilty. You made the choice. You're held accountable. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brother. We have the free will to be held accountable for our own sins to be held accountable for our own choices. It's my sin. I did it. I'm responsible. I'm to blame. It's nobody else. You've made the decision. You've gone down the path that you've gone. You've done whatever it is that you've done. 
Don't try to blame it on anyone else. You're responsible. Blame me. We have free will. We have free will in the sense that it carries the consequences and the fruit of our decision. Let's look at Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, there was a man named Lot. For the sake of time, we're not going to read it all. But just go to Genesis chapter 13. We know the story pretty well. But Lot had a choice to make. And as far as I can see, his choice was going to be finances and wealth and stature and prominence and a position or his family and his future walk with God. And you know, Lot made the wrong choice and it was a very sad end. As far as I'm concerned, Lot paid a high price for his decision. And he lost everything. And you think because he got out with two of his daughters, read the rest of the story. It's a very sad ending. And that's a righteous man that was vexed in his soul. My friend, if you're a Christian here today, you still have a sin nature. And you can get far away from God. And you can make the wrong choices just like Lot did. You know, in verse, in verse chapter 2, I mean, chapter 15 and verse 2, and Abraham was rich in cattle and silver and in gold. He was a rich man. Abraham had riches. Well, in verse 5, and Lot also which went with Abraham had flocks and herds and tents. Lot was a rich man. And he was connected up with Abraham. Now, Abraham knew God. Lot knew Abraham. I don't think he had a good walk with God. But he was a rich man. So, what am I saying? There was no closeness to God. I believe Lot had riches and he was with Abraham and maybe was blessed because of Abraham, but he had no closeness to God. He did not have his own walk with God. He was just close to Abraham. He wasn't close to God. And there was strife between them. You'll know the story. There was strife between their two herdsmen. Lot's cattle trying to find grass and Abraham's cattle trying to find grass. And they were pushing on each other and there was strife. And Abraham finally said, we got to do something about this. We're going to have to part ways. And in verse 10, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and began to pray and fell on his face and worshiped God and he built an altar. I hope you know that he didn't do that. He didn't do any of that. Lot didn't lift his eyes up far enough. Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw over there all the green pastures over there by Sodom. And beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as thou comest to Zor. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Lot made his choice. Lot chose what was best for him financially. He thought with his pocketbook. He didn't think about his family. He didn't think spiritually. He didn't think about the future except his own. Can we be that callous? Yes. You know, verse 13, verse 12 says, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. There was nothing good that you could find in Sodom. Nothing. 
You know what was in Sodom. All the wickedness of the world was right there in its worst form. And Lot chose what he loved most. And it wasn't God or his family. It was his wealth. He wanted wealth. He wanted stature. He wanted position. But he had free will. Lot could have chose to go north, south, east, or west. Now, he couldn't choose to go up or down. That's against his nature. He could choose to go wherever he wanted. But he made the wrong choice. Free will. It was to do his will. He wanted what was best for him. He wasn't thinking about his family. If he was, he would have never went there. He maybe would have asked God. Or maybe would have even asked Abraham for some counsel. You know, we do the same thing. By the way, there's no forethought of what God wants. We don't search our Bible. We don't ask for wisdom or counsel from anyone or any guidance. And then we wonder why things are the way they are and why we find ourselves so far away from God. Because we do the same thing. Now, it may not turn out like that, but it could. Maybe we see a new job. And we say, wow, look at that. I could be in that new position. It's more money. But if there's no church within an hour and a half of the place, you barely make it on time, ten minutes away. Now you're going to make it on time an hour and a half away? Two hours? There's no church? Huh? Do you ever take that into consideration? I need to stay near a local church. God will honor that. How about a new position? It's got more money. It's two more euro an hour. But it's more hours. But it's more money. But it's more hours. But it's more money. And less time with your family. And less time with God. Does that even come into your thinking? New car. Nothing to matter with a new car. If you can afford it. People put themselves into debt over a car. They spend money they don't have. You go you get a credit card. It's plastic. Everybody wants it. They love it. They take your credit card. And then all of a sudden you get a bill. And you've spent money you don't have. And then there's a the new gadget and games. You know, I know people that are addicted to these things. They're addicted to it. I don't know what they, I forget what they call it. Game addiction, I guess. I don't know. But they're up all night playing the stuff. They're addicted to it. And they're far away from God. You get the new game and you have no time for God. So why do people choose? <laughs> why do people choose to go the wrong way? Why do they make these decisions and not choose the will of God? They just don't believe the consequences will come, that's all. They don't believe they're going to be the one person that God is going to forget that they've walked away from Him and they're sinning and there'll be no consequences. There'll be no fruit to your decision. But be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't think for one second God has fallen asleep or forgotten or closed his eyes to the decision that you've made. It doesn't matter who we are. We've all sown the fruit. Reaped what we've sown. From decisions that we've made. We just don't believe God. And like Adam and Eve, 
Death will not come. It's not going to happen. Didn't God say, thou shalt surely die? They did. The moment they rebelled against God, they died. The most horrible death of all. It wasn't the physical death. It was a spiritual death. And now, God didn't walk in the cool of the day with them in the garden. They didn't have a relationship with God. It will happen. God will not be mocked. Or we just don't care. That probably, that's probably something uh, that hits home better. We, we just want to enjoy our sin. We just want to do it. It'll be okay. I, whether I sin presumptuously or not, it doesn't matter. I don't care. I'll do what I want. You can. Both will be your destruction though. And be careful not to blame God when you start reaping the fruit of your decisions, of your free will. Free will tests our faith in God. Our choices are tested by the situations and the circumstances of the decision we make. And Peter had a choice. Peter had a choice to focus on Jesus or the circumstances. Now, I just tried to find some things that might hit home. Do I keep my eyes on the Lord or do I keep my eyes on the circumstances now that I find myself in after I've made this choice? You know, Peter's faith waned, but not his love for Jesus Christ. His faith waned and he started to sink, and we'll look at that a little bit. But his love for God never changed. He loved the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. The Bible says this. You know that Jesus has fed the 5,000, then he sent them away in a ship, and the wind is now gone contrary, and and it's boisterous, and there's waves, and they're bouncing around out there. Jesus decides he's going to come out and see them. He comes out walking on the water. And in verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come to thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Can I tell you this? Peter launched out of that boat to be with Jesus. Peter was the only one that got out of the boat, by the way. There was a lot of them that stayed in the boat. Peter loved Jesus. And he just wanted to be near Him. That was a big decision. To get out of the boat that they're already scared to death in, and now they're going to walk on the water? That's something that's never been done before until they saw Jesus. Nobody walks on water. That's something pretty big, I think. It's untried. Now you think think about in your own life, has there been anything that you've tried that's been big for Jesus? where you just had to focus on Him. Yes, the circumstances are going to come. Yes, situations are going to develop. But who are you going to keep your eyes on? You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord. Maybe it's a ministry. Something that requires faith. Peter started to sink, but Jesus was right there to lift him up when he cried out. And He'll do the same for you. But what have you tried for God that's going to take some great faith? That you're going to have to keep your focus on Him And not the situations around you. You know, if you really want to be 
If you really want to be near Jesus, you're going to have to keep your focus on Him and not the things of the world. Now, brother, would you stand up here and face everybody? I was going to play God, then I said, no, I'll let, I'll let, I'll, I'll let the pastor play God. I'll, I'll, I'll be the world, amen. Don't look at me. Look at, look at God. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't look at me. You're looking at me. I saw you. Keep your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Now, how many fingers I got up? What are you looking over here for? What am I doing now? You know, the world will try to get your attention. How many fingers I got up? Come on, I got tenure for the person who tells me how many fingers I got up. <laughs> you are not getting my... You should have kept your eyes on the Lord. You cannot look at two things at once. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Forget that multitasking. You keep your eyes on the Lord and you won't keep your eyes on the on the world. And I'm trying to get your attention. But you won't... I won't get your attention if you keep your eyes on the Lord. Thanks, brother. You have got to keep your focus on the Lord. Amen? That's what Peter did. We're going to have to trust Him to reach the goal and not what we're experiencing. I know you've been through that. You experience some things and you wonder probably, what am I getting myself into? What am I doing? How did this come about? And you just got to trust the Lord. You just got to be patient and wait on God. Life is full of storms. Rough seas. We call them financial issues. We call them problems with our children. Health challenges. Employment. There's a, there's a lot of rough seas out there, but we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. The key is our free will. Our choice to trust Jesus Christ. Not by force of will, but motivated by love. I'm going to put my faith and trust in You, Lord, because I love You more than the world. Free will. Peter could have stayed in the boat. Peter got out of the boat. The other ones didn't. Peter chose to be near his Lord. Free will to make the right choices. Just turn over to Luke 10. 10.42 I knew there was a baptism today. And I'm trying to get through this, but I, I, I just want you to see this. Bear with me another 10 minutes or so. Luke 10.42, the Bible says, But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Choices. Free will to make the right choices. We saw Peter, the free will to focus on Jesus, not the circumstances. Now you have the free will to make the right choices that is, Mary chose the Bible or busyness. She had a choice. The Bible or busyness. Now, time with God will always be the right choice. Time with the Lord will always be the right choice. Martha's, and many of us are, we rush about full of care and troubled about many things. Now, there's really not a problem with being a Martha. As far as I can see in the Bible here, it... it there's a time to serve and there's a time to sit. Serving God is not a bad thing. But in verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. There's nothing the matter 
was serving, but there's a word in there that, she, that, that tells us everything. She was cumbered. That means she was distracted. It was grievous. It was burdensome. And she had no joy serving. When you lose your joy serving the Lord, that's a bad place to be. When you don't have joy serving God. And then she began to tell Jesus what to do. Lord, dost thou not care? And if you've ever had a joy, had no joy in serving God, you will say, Lord, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you care about me? Can you imagine telling Jesus you don't care? And then the next thing she did was tell, tell Jesus what to do. Bid her to come and help me. I don't know. I think I've been there too. I had no joy. I didn't think he cared. I said, why isn't anybody else helping? Come on, you're all a bunch of sinners too. I'm just telling you. That's the way it is, isn't it? That's where we can wind up sometimes. In joyless service to God. Well, Jesus answered her and said and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You see, as far as I'm concerned, Mary's lack of helping her was not the real problem. Martha's problem was there was no time for God. She wasn't having her quiet time with the Lord. And Mary chose the quiet time that we all need with the Lord. That's what's lacking and needed in most Christians' lives, even in this room. You are not reading your Bible for an hour. You are not in prayer to God. You're certainly not taking the time to ask Him for counsel and wisdom. What do I do next, Lord? Now, you know whether you do or not. I'm just saying, we find Christians many times they're not reading their Bible one bit. But that's what's going to get you through the tough times. That's what's going to get you through the trying times in life. What is needful in your life? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you're here today and you just don't know what's going to happen when I die. I think I might go to heaven. God loves me. He does love you. But He's holy and He had to sacrifice His own Son to pay the guilt and for the guilt and the shame and the consequences of your sin. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you need a closer walk with God. Maybe you need a prayer life that is totally non-existent right now. And you're not reading your Bible at all. And you're kind of getting bored listening to this. Well, what's needful in your life right now? Mary made the right choice. Mary had free will. Free? She had a thousand choices. She could have went shopping. She could have did some chores. She could have did her nails. But she read her Bible. She sat at the feet of Jesus and just quietly listened to her Lord. Talked to her. She chose what was needful. Time with Jesus. You know, there's free will out of temptation. 1 Corinthians 10.13, you can read it there. And it shows that God always gives us an escape hatch. He always gives us a way to escape. No matter what's overtaken you, there's a way out. That means you have a free will. That means when, when, when you're going down to cereal aisle, you, you, you can make the right choice if you want. When you find yourself being tempted on that computer, you can turn it off. You can click away from it and get on your knees and ask God to help you because you're, you're struggling. But it'll give you a way out. There's an escape hatch. Remember what we read there in, in James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he's thrown away of his own lusts and enticed. 
It's what's already in your heart. But we have free will out of temptation. James reminds us that God tempts no man with evil. We sin with our eyes wide open. We know what we're doing, just like Adam did. But then there's free will for salvation. You can reject Christ or you can receive Him. Within two verses, it blows the Calvinist right out of the water. He came unto His own and His own received them not. Well, they should have done what they were told to do. They were chosen. God chose Israel. He's had to put them aside because they rejected the Messiah. That's what I read in my Bible. He's put them aside for a time because they rejected the Messiah. But as many as received Him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. This morning, you can have the opportunity to receive Christ or to reject Him and walk away. But God never has forced anyone to be saved. We can try to persuade people. We can try to persuade folks. But it's free will that ultimately chooses. You remember King Agrippa? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, he told Paul. After Paul preached to him about temperance and righteousness, and he said, almost. That's like one of the saddest words in our Bible. I was this close, Paul, to taking your God as my God and your Savior as my Savior. But I turned away. I remember sitting in the back of Shawnee Baptist Church in New Jersey. As far back as you could get. All the way against the wall. The last pew, Leo. It was the doorway. It was right there. And there was 400 people in front of me. And uh, when Pastor Dyer would preach, I thought he can't even see me back here. I can, I can. Just, my mother was right there. She wanted to see me saved, and I was just hiding. I was a sinner, and I was so guilty and full of shame for what I was. And when he preached, what looked so far away suddenly was right in my face. He was right there. He was talking to me. What about the other people here? But he was talking to me. But I've walked out of those services, at least three or four of them before I got saved, with crocodile tears. Almost thou got me. You almost got me today. I walk away so full of guilt. But also knowing that there was a God who loved me. And I had to make a decision now. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're almost done here. Romans chapter 5 says this. In verse 18, Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Romans 5.19 says, For, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so as by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You know, you can't save yourself. You can't help yourself. In fact, no one else can help you either. Only Jesus Christ. There's only one that paid the price. That's the free will of Adam brought us sin and death. But the free will of the second Adam brought us life eternal. Amen? If we choose. So, free. We're limited by our choices because there's only one choice for salvation. Jesus Christ. By your own will or by God's will. It's up to you. You don't have to get saved today. You can walk away. But if you die, you'll go to hell. Because that's what we deserve. But 2 Peter 3.9 
says God's not willing. It's not God's free will that you do that. God wants you to be saved. Not willing that any should perish. Then we end with this. The devil's made his choice already, hasn't he? The devil's already made his choice. He's coming to steal and kill and destroy. That's that's the that's the will of the, the devil. And he wants to take you captive at his will. He wants to destroy your life. And John 8.44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Without Christ you are doing the Lord the, the devil's bidding. You're doing the lust of the devil. This is what he wants you to do. Ye are of your father the devil. You may not like that, but that's what the Bible says. It's nice to tell people the truth. You're going to have to deal with the truth. Jesus made his choice. Matthew 26, and we're done. Matthew chapter 26. You know the story. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew chapter 26, and in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. What are you reading? You're reading the free will of Jesus to do the will of the Father. I think that's what He wants for us. Jesus could have said no. If it's possible, He knew it wasn't possible in His own heart. He knew He was going to obey the Father. But Jesus had a free will and He did the will of God, His Father. So, it's up to you. What did, what did Lot love? He loved wealth. What did Peter? Peter made the decision to go and be with Jesus and he had to focus on Jesus. We all need to keep our focus on the Lord and not the circumstances around us and the world around us. And Mary chose the Bible over busyness. And many of us need to get into our Bible again. Well, what is it you love? What is most needful for you? The Lord has given you a free will, the choice to make up your own mind. But also, there's people here today, they might not be saved. What's your choice? You can receive Christ as your Savior today. You don't have to leave here lost with questions. They could be answered today. You could receive them or reject them today. You just don't know how many, how many more minutes on this earth you have. Nobody does. But if you die, you will go to a devil's hell because that's where you deserve to go because you've rejected Christ. The choice is up to you. Let's pray. I'm not going to have a long invitation. I just simply want to ask whether everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, please. You shouldn't be looking around. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If there's anyone here that is not sure they're saved and would just like to know more about being saved, that's all. I just want to pray for you. You're just not sure you're saved. You don't know what you'd like to know. 
more about being saved. What does it mean to be saved? Would you just look up at me real quickly? Would you just look up at me? Say, I, I want to know more about being saved. Amen, I see you. You're just looking up and saying, I'm just not sure. And Brother Dan, I'm not sure I'm saved. Father, I pray, Lord, not only for those that are not sure they're saved, but Lord, for every Christian in here also, Lord, that we would choose to do Your will. That we would choose uh, to obey You. That we would choose to love You more than anything else in our lives. It would sure straighten out a lot of problems we have if we just chose You. Thank You, Lord, for free will. Thank You that we were created in Your image. We have the ability to choose so that this relationship can be a two-way relationship. I know You love me. The only reason I love You is because You first loved me. So, Lord, I just want to tell You I love You. And there's many here now praying, saying how much they love You, Jesus, for what You've done for us. Lord, there's a few here today that are not saved. And I pray that they might have, might ask, they might, they might want to know today how they can be saved. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.